How a New York nonprofit increased dignity and choice for their stakeholders through digitization. Stay with us. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to episode 58, and we are talking with the New York Common Pantry and their executive deputy director, Daniel Reyes, who was part of this amazing program that five years ago, they digitized the way they were delivering services and food to, uh, to their stakeholders. And, and why this is so amazing is because they're serving around 300,000 people in a, in a given year. And this tremendous amount of volume was going through paper systems and uh, what they decided to do was update and upgrade to an online system that uh, allowed them to better serve and give choice to the individual people coming in for meals. They learned some fascinating things along the way such as how to integrate volunteers and the way that this type of digitization actually drove increased dignity uh, among the people they were serving. So let's jump into the interview and find out how they did it. from the New York Common Pantry. He's the Deputy Executive Director. How's it going, Daniel? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right today. I'm so excited to have you on the program today because you guys are up to something very fascinating. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm Uh, glad to be here. (laughs) Just to start, though, can you tell us uh, what is the, the mission of the New York Common Pantry? So the New York Common Pantry is, uh, our mission is to really uh, work to alleviate hunger across New York City through uh, sustainable solutions. So access to healthy food, nutrition and wellness education, and access to resources and asset management. That's amazing. So, you know, you're, you're not just, you know, a, a food pantry. Um, and you've gone gone beyond that with regard to, to giving access. And the reason I got so fascinated uh, with the work you're doing, not just because I'm also a New York native and, you know, got to help the hometown, uh, <laughs> but because of your Choice Pantry program. Can you tell me a bit about uh, this particular program uh, and, and more of the details around it? So our um, our choice pantry program uh, it, it um, it's an it's basically what it is it's choice so people can uh, can select the food items that they want um, but because we were such a high volume um, pantry um, seeing upwards of two thousand families a week um, we knew that we couldn't operate in uh, a much more um, traditional choice model which is kind of the supermarket style because we didn't have the ability to filter folks through in a timely manner without making them wait extended periods of time. And um, prior to that, uh, a person's wait time for their pantry package was like literally five minutes. And, you know, asking someone to wait an hour just wasn't going to fly (laughs) with our members. So uh, we looked at inventory list and and really, which is kind of like a paper order and you check off what you want and then someone fills the order for you. And this seemed to be able to work uh, work for us as far as time and what the, the amount of time it would take for our members to place their orders, uh, but as we looked at um, 
what it would cost year upon year to do this, it just looked like it was going to become exponentially more expensive, you know, with copying and paper and uh, human power to make the menus and everything. So we really looked at a way to do this in a paperless, automated, electronic way and uh, reached out to the database company that we use that had uh, previously created some other applications for us. And uh, they came about with this online ordering system that allows folks to either order on site using a tablet um, or they can order from our website um, through a, a link in, in the website that opens to the, the online ordering portal. So you basically just like put together like a seamless, right? Where, you know, if you want to get food and, uh, food from one of the pantries, it's, you know, it's on demand as though I were um, anybody else in, in New York City uh, requesting food. Basically, so more, more like a fresh direct where you place your grocery order, <laughs> so or a peapod. So um, you know, and that's kind of so the, the ordering system itself is really it looks like. Um, you know, it's broken down by the food groups, and within each of the food groups, there are at least three to four selections. I like a little bit more than that, like six or seven, so that there are options for folks to choose from, and uh, and then they just, you know, select the quantities that they want. Um, we we make our pantry packages are designed uh, to provide 12 meals per person in the household every visit that they come, and so they... Um, the, the the amount of of uh, of food within each category that you can order is 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 limited by the actual family size. So, uh, a family of one is getting you know is going to get an appropriate package for one person. A family of twelve will get obviously a significantly larger package. So this is interesting because it seems like you could have stayed with the the paper system and continued to to serve people. Well, you know, you, you were kind of hinting at how long it takes to potentially, you know, serve somebody food, customization. What were the what was the reasoning to move off of a system that basically was working, you know, five years ago? Well, the previous the previous model was it was a, what the, what we call a standard pantry or a traditional pantry. So we weren't choice. Um, we would literally design the menus and then pre-make the packages. So that's why everything was five minutes. They would come in with their membership cards and we would scan their activity into our database and then the package was waiting for them. Just standard what was in there. And, um, you know, uh, and, and that works because it, it took only five minutes. It was really fast. All the packages were pre-made. Everybody just in and out, in and out. Um, but, you know, a, a few things happened for us. One, um, you know, we we were seeing that there were, at least in New York City, there's a, there was a real emphasis to, you know, incorporate more dignity into the process and allow people the opportunity to select the items that they want for their families. And so, and you know, we 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 agreed with it. It's just it was a question of how do we make this work, because you know most of these supermarket style pantries that use this choice model. Um, they serve 100 to 200 families a week. You know, we were serving 2,000, 2,200 at one point. So, you know, that's a, that's a lot of folks to filter through. And so we, we knew that that was going to be a big challenge for us. And um, and so that's why we really kind of uh, started to look at, at what we could do um, to to improve, improve uh, espouse a choice model without negatively impacting our families by making them wait long periods of time. The other reason we really moved to it is, uh, at least for myself, is there was a moment. It was a moment for me, and uh, uh, a gentleman who is had been a, a elderly gentleman who had been a long term serving, a long term member of the of the pantry. But you would see him every week. You know, I knew who he was, and 
one day he he came up to the second floor where my office is and you know basically said to me i i'm so sorry and i i I don't want you to close my membership but i brought these back because i don't need them you know and he had like literally a shopping cart full of peanut butter jars of peanut butter (laughs) and he just said i take it every week because it's in the package but I just can't bring myself to throw it out and, you know, and, but I, I was so afraid to come here because I didn't want you to close my case. And, you know, it was, it was a shocking moment for me. And it really was like, wow, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to do good and we're in fact not doing as well as we should. You know, we should allow our, our families to select what they want and, and take what, what they want and what they need, you know, as opposed to us making that decision for them. And so that really, you know, for me at least, you know, as, as kind of driving the, the momentum was, had this moment and realized we, this, is the, this is the right thing to do. We need to do this, so. So that's interesting, you know, you're looking at it and oftentimes, you know, I deal with this from a technology standpoint, you know, we, we layer in some tech and we expect to, you know, in, you know, decrease wait times, make things like smoother, more efficient, but actually, you know, it increased it from, you said, you know, five minutes per to 15 to 20. However, it seems like you may be getting some other efficiency in terms of foods provided. Uh, has that been the case? Have you found, you know, interesting externalities that have popped up from being able to customize well, uh, I w- the meals? Yes, definitely. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, um, the way inventory moves allows us to see what, you know, what items are, are more popular than others and what we need to we need to order more of. Um, it also, uh, you know, some of those become moment, teachable moments as well. As if, a, if an item isn't moving, is it because it's not culturally known to folks? And how do we incorporate that into their diets? Um, and how do we work with them to, to think about, think outside the box uh, about incorporating something? But uh, in addition to that, though, it's really brought in a cost savings to our, our food budget because um, we're not buying things or we're not losing things that we, we thought folks would like and they ended up not liking it and there was no way for us to, you know, to incorporate into any other programming. So, or, or buying things that, you know, we, we just know that people don't really want. Um, so, I mean, it's it allowed us to get a better sense of, of our food budget and, and, uh, and to really bring in some savings that allow us to, you know, the savings that we saw in, in, in moving to choice allowed us to look at things like ordering fresh milk as opposed to shelf-stable milk, figuring out ways to order more alternative proteins or plant-based proteins as opposed to just animal-based proteins. So, I mean, there were, there were, there was, I guess we got more freedom, you know, on the back end in order to kind of explore and, and try new things with our families. The metrics you must be able to get in dashboards on like a full, finally, like end-to-end inventory system are incredible, I bet, because you, you have the orders, you have the, you know, you have what's on the shelf, um, and you get sort of live stats. Uh, how do you balance all of these metrics, uh, and which do you really, uh, you know, look at the most? With the, I mean, it really depends on, on the lens we're looking through. Uh, if we're looking really at, uh, you know, the, the customer on the customer end, what what's the, you know, what are the what are their likes and dislikes? You know, it guides ordering. Um, on the uh, on the um, on our on the kind of inventory management side, it allows us to kind of project uh, more easily um, how much we need for particular periods of time because we're able to look at how how fast the product is moving. So. 
um, or allows us to know if we can like perhaps take in an order of something that we know we, we can keep in inventory for an extended period of time. So, um, you know, if, um, you know, low sodium canned green beans are coming, you know, someone's got a deal on them and we're going to, we're going to buy them, you know, and they're like, can you take a truckload? Well, we'll know that, you know, one, we know that can low sodium canned green beans are an item that are quite popular with our with our household. So it's not like it's going to sit there and collect dust. And we'll know how long we'll have that in inventory because we know based on, on people's choices what they are, what they're selecting and how often they're selecting it. So this is just uh, a quirky question. I'm curious. What is like the what is the hottest item that you uh, that you found that maybe was like a surprise to you? Um, you know, I, I it, it's actually a seasonal item. Um, for uh, for the longest, it was it was incredibly hard to get people to to take beets. And they are quite a hot item these days. So <laughs> every time I see it, I'm like, whoa. I said, I, before I was like eating them in front of people so that they knew it would be there, it tasted so, good. <laughs> so you I don't know what happened. Press, the, but beat, the beat advertising really got to them, huh? So big beats I guess. I, I guess. So I don't know what happened, but now those those things run like hotcakes. So, uh, I mean, other things that, you know, it's it's stuff that we, we're like, oh, we hope it's going to work, but maybe it won't. But... I know that when we offer um, tofu, you know, we wanted to introduce an alternate type of protein, and, and, you know, the director of food programs had said, let's try tofu, and I was like, oh, all right, let's see what happens, <laughs> and it went like that, so, <laughs> wow. you know, I mean, you just never really know sometimes. They were probably talking to the big beet people out there, big tofu and big beet got together. <laughs> yes, I don't know. So this is, this is interesting, though, because it gets back to maybe some of the, the technology and some of the choice architecture. Now, you've got an online system where I believe it's about 10% of your people go through um, of the like 300,000 or so you serve a year, 10% are online and then the rest are, are really on the on the tablet in person and you've got multiple languages, you've got the visual aids on food to help low literacy. Uh, tell me a little bit about how that system evolved or, or what you're thinking when you're building it. Well, you know, it really it really came about because um, we had seen a pre, uh, another another similar system where there were these stationary kiosks, and um, space is an issue in our building. Uh, our multi-purpose room gets turned around multiple times, and um, so we were we were um, looking at some uh, some way to mount um, some kinds of touchscreen monitors to the walls that, and put some kind of a protected cover around them. And then, you know, kind of make it stationary in some way. Um, and at the same time, we were dealing with, um, you know, uh, what is the impact of moving to this automate system on our volunteers? And uh, there was concern that there was going to be a need for less volunteers. And, you know, some folks who, who you know, have volunteered here for years were, were worried that they were no longer going to be needed. Um, and, you know, it, it was, it, you know, our volunteers interact very easily you know and readily with our with our members and so there was this there were these friendships and these things that got built and so there was a great nervousness about um, about this reduction in need and and I was nervous about it too um, and then um, you know we started to look at the, the monitors on the wall and I was worried because um, you know things get broken whether what are we going to do what is it going to cost to replace these you know we if we if we um, if we mount these 
we have some artwork around the perimeter of the of the room, and uh, that was commissioned for us. And we we're very it's 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 very lovely, and we and we and we enjoy it, and our our members and guests enjoy it. Um, but you know, we would have to remove some of it, and what you know, what would that look like? Um, and I I honestly don't know. It just dawned on me, and I I thought, you know what? What if we use tablets and actually use volunteers to guide the members through the ordering using the tablets? And then we can kind of, you know, give them little hints if we want to promote a particular item. And, you know, so I thought about there were all these other pluses to using these tablets and, in, in fact, increase our need for volunteers and, in fact, create this more higher-touch interaction with our members where you're sitting down with them and helping them place the order, you know, um, at, which is not something that used to happen before. So um, so that's kind of how we, we landed on it. And uh, it, it turned out it's like a win-win because a lot of our members are, are elderly and, you know, the technology is a little is foreign to them and, you know, they're, they're hesitant to touch it. But, you know, so like if a volunteer, if a member is not comfortable touching the tablet, then they don't have to. The volunteer will touch it for them. We'll, we'll hit the selections for them. If, if they are, then the volunteer just needs to hold the tablet for them while they place their order. And and it works it works fine both ways. So it's interesting because often when we look at a technical solution, you know, it's like automate, put the kiosks in, get rid of the attendees, reduce the human capital labor, increase efficiency. But that you know that doesn't necessarily serve the user because you know what a screen can't serve empathy. They can't interact with the client base. They can't push beats on people. Um, exactly. <laughs> but this is amazing exactly. because you didn't just go for the, all right, wholesale, let's just turn everything into like uh, an episode of the Jetsons where I'm pressing buttons and it's done. Uh, you brought volunteers into the process. It seems like yeah. Yeah. it seems like that one of your other metrics here is, is around dignity and service. And in, in measuring that, I'm curious, you know, what has been uh, any of the other responses that you've seen from, from your community or your volunteers around this process? Well, I mean, I think on the volunteer side, they love it. I mean, it allows it it, it allows folks to spend some time one on one with with our members, either placing orders or or uh, in the production room making the order. So what will happen is that one volunteer sits with the member and helps them place their order, and then another volunteer on the other level is in the production room making that filling that order for them. And actually, by the time the member gets up there, they're the ones handing the member their package and letting you know, and so they get to have that interaction as well so i mean i think on that side it's been great on, on the on our member side you know they love it uh it's uh, it's it's still pretty fast and you know it's easy to use it's in in their language it's got pictures you know there's there's plenty of selection they see what's in inventory so you know there's a there's a level of transparency uh, and that allows us to build trust with them you know i mean it, it, it's it, it's I mean, they seem to love it, and we we run a customer satisfaction survey every year, and uh, it, it gets glowing reviews. Um, and you know, we look at we also ask them why they don't use the online portal through our website, and the vast majority, you know, it, they're fairly standard answers. You know, it's like I, you know, this is the day I come to see my neighbor, you know, in in the waiting area, or I I, I just you know I just prefer coming on site, you know. Um, 
and and the, the and really the folks that are, are the ones that are really using the online system are are working families, um, moms who you know may need to come a little bit later in the day in order to make sure that they can uh, take care of all their childcare issues. So, you know, it's it, it kind of both models um, fits several different kinds of situations for for our members and so that's so it's been very very warmly received i mean we were very strategic in when we rolled it out as well we started to let people know what's going to happen um, we had these lunch sessions where we show these screenshots and we would explain to them how it was going to work. We train people, you know, we do these workshops on how to do the play online ordering. So we did a lot in advance in anticipation of it. And then we still, at this point, still do it. So uh, throughout the, uh, throughout a particular uh, distribution, we will, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll play this little video, uh, this little slideshow that basically shows them how to use the online ordering system if they ever want to use it. Um, you know, at their leisure. Nice. So as we're moving here uh, toward the end, I want to move into the rapid fire phase. So uh, hopefully you're ready. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So uh, if we jump into our hot tub time machine and go back to the Daniel, you know, six years ago before you implemented this, what advice would you give that guy? (laughs) Let me see. Um, I guess I would tell him to um, not be so nervous about it, quite frankly. (laughs) Don't be nervous. Go forward. All right. Uh, talk about a mistake that you've made uh, with this uh, with this program and how you dealt with it. So I think that one of the, one of the the biggest mistakes was not getting enough uh, input on the creation of, on the admin side from from the actual employees that were going to be using it. There were some key people, but then as it whittled down to the more of the ground level folks, we we should have included them more in it. I mean, we ultimately made the tweaks that they had asked us to make, but you know we could have avoided that. Uh, if we had actually talked to more than just the directors and the managers, but actually the people that are kind of doing it day to day. What is something you think your organization should stop doing? Nothing right now. (laughs) Just keep going. Keep going. (laughs) You know, I mean, our approach always is nothing is so sacred we won't look at it and we won't tweak it. So if we can make it better, if we can make it more efficient, if we can improve the relationship between ourselves and our members and our guests, then let's look at it. What is one technology tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the past year that's made a significant difference? Stata. So we started using Stata to kind of help us with kind of analyzing some uh, a- analyzing our data a little bit more closely. So we run reports to kind of look at the efficacy of the service provision model. So we kind of, we're kind of tracking uh uh, part, member participation in our pantry program over periods of time, and uh, and the reports in the database are fine, but then we can import those into Stata, into Stata and get more more detailed information. I love that. Uh, what is your advice to other nonprofits or perhaps food pantries? Uh, so trying to tackle digital impact and digital integration? Always balance uh, quality and quantity because uh, sometimes you sacrifice quality and end up paying more in the long run. And finally, uh, if you had a Harry Potter magical wand and you could wave it across uh, uh, the nonprofit industry, what would it do? It would connect us all together. Daniel, thank you so much. Uh, as a final wrap-up here, how do people find you online and how, how can people help you if they're interested? 
Sure, uh, they can find out all about our uh, all about our services and our programs at nycommonpantry.org, and um, there they'll see everything about everything we do. Uh, we have a variety of uh, services, and uh, if they want to donate, they can donate. But if they also if they need assistance, they are more than welcome to come here. Our intake office is open 365 days of the year. Thank you so much for taking the time. I love what you're working on, and keep up the amazing work, Daniel. All right, thank you. Take care. this interview because of the surprises I found in here. I'm obviously a numbers guy, so I first came in with this assumption of like, oh, they were probably serving X number of people before, and now they're serving 2X that number, because finally they they brought it online, and they, you know, they put it on tablets, and they made it easier for people to do, uh, when in fact, you know, their actual number of people served per hour, uh, it, it slowed down because of the the choice they were giving people and so I was I was like wait a minute why you know wasn't this a critical number and in fact one of the main metrics they were looking for is one around dignity it's in their mission serving people with dignity reducing hunger in New York City uh, and it's I loved it I, I frankly love it because we can get so sort of narrow in the way that our metrics can lead us right we we manage to what we measure. And if it doesn't tell the full story, right, if that number was for them, for example, just number of meals an hour we can serve, you could miss out on, you know, this whole incredible experience, uh, this, you know, increased dignity that people had because they can choose what they're looking for. And, by the way, I still got my efficiency numbers because the efficiency of what they're ordering, remember the, the talks about what, what's more popular and what they actually need, um, that actually trickled into their back-end uh, delivery and inventory. So, you know, it comes full circle that the, the ability to see your own metrics, analyze the data, uh, do provide efficiencies, but not where I uh, kind of came in suspecting it. It's a tremendous program. Uh, by all means, take a look at them online, and we have all of the resources. As always, episode number 58. Thanks for joining us. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com podcast, and consider following us on Twitter at Whole Whale. And thanks for joining us. As always, our music, the intro, outro, and interlude, coming from the one and the only Mr. Greg Thomas. Check him out online, gregthomasmusic.org. He's fantastic, and if you don't check him out, I will just continue to promote him even more. So go check him out. I'm going to drop a little postscript here for super fans or people that were just too busy or lazy, we'll say, to, to press pause. Uh, if you have a second, I would really love uh, a rating on iTunes. Uh, those things matter, and they help our ratings, and uh, we're one of the top nonprofit podcasts at this point. Um, I know, small pool, but we enjoy it, and we'd like to, to climb even higher uh, with your help. Please leave us a rating if you have enjoyed or learned at least one thing from these podcasts. Thanks for listening.